We've got a tremendous opportunity with Jeremy Stolnecker as our guest speaker. Had a wonderful men's breakfast and just a, a powerful message. We even, I think, have a couple of table gifts still left on the Connect counter. Little toy soldiers with Psalm 91 and pray for our military. I think there's just a couple left, so you may negotiate. Uh, have to have to bid on it to see if you can get it. But but Jeremy serves as the CEO for the Mighty Oaks Warrior Foundation. And it's an organization that is committed to ministering and serving military veterans and those in active duty who are suffering the hidden wounds of war. And, and Jeremy has a passion for helping to answer the question, how do I move forward when it feels like my life is falling apart? Jeremy is a, a combat veteran. He served as a Marine and was one of the first elements to cross the border from Kuwait into Iraq and what would become Operation Iraqi Freedom and to make the movement up to Baghdad. And you'll hear some powerful stories and illustrations to that. Jeremy is uh, an author, uh, a public noted speaker, and someone who is called on to, uh, to talk with the media about issues of veteran suicide and the hidden wounds of war as well. So I know that you're going to be blessed by what Jerry has, Jeremy has to share with us this morning. So Jeremy, please, brother. Well, good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. Good. Yeah, whatever. Well, I'm happy to see you this morning. So it's great to be here and <laughs> looking forward to our time. I can tell it's going to be amazing. Before we get into the message this morning, there are some resources, as Mark mentioned, out on the table in the back. And uh, I'd invite you to stop by our table, and uh, maybe you are not someone who uh, has served in the military or thinks that you would benefit from our program, but you can stop by and get some information. For those that you know, one thing about living in a community like this one is that you're, you're constantly around those who have served or are serving. So I'd encourage you to stop by there. A couple of books back there that may be of interest to you. This one is called The Path to Resiliency. And uh, this book specifically deals with spiritual re spiritual resiliency. What does it mean to be spiritually resilient? The Department of Defense a few years ago put out the four pillars of resiliency, and one of those pillars is spiritual resiliency. And uh, I'm not sure a lot of folks in the Department of Defense know what that means, but uh, they want us to talk about it, and we have the opportunity to do that. That's really why we wrote this book. Um, the Marine Corps has given us the opportunity to hand this book out to every recruit that goes through basic training in San Diego. We've given out, uh, I think, about 40,000 of these to recruits and thankful for the opportunity to do that. And uh, we continue to give those out. Stop by and pick that up. This one is called The Truth About PTSD, another small book, but it deals specifically with post-traumatic stress disorder. And the truth about PTSD, if you don't want to read the book, I'll give you the summary, is that if you have dealt with stress related to trauma, you are not disordered. You are not broken. Uh, trauma is something that all of us deal with, and there are some repercussions of that, of course, but you're not broken if you've dealt with that, and uh, we want to give that to you as a resource as well. And then this one is called March or Die. This is uh, the story that I'll tell you today comes out of this book. This is about our time in Iraq, and I do my best to make some spiritual applications from that time as well. All of these books are on the back table. Um, there is a charge for them, and uh, as I've mentioned every service so far, this is not a good deal if you're looking for a good deal on books. This is not a good deal for you. Uh, these books are small. They were written by Marines, so they're not very deep, and they cost $10 a piece. So these are back there. Uh, this book was written by me, also not very deep, $20. Um, but I'll tell you why we charge for them, because we have, over the last uh, four or five years, 
five years, given out about 150,000 of these books to active duty service members across the country. And we have the opportunity not only to run our program, but to speak at active duty base events, suicide prevention uh, times, spiritual resiliency talks, and, and all these different opportunities we have. And we give those out uh, free of charge to active duty service members. So uh, if you are willing to buy those, you're supporting that effort. And I would thank you for that. If you uh, cannot afford it, let Luke know. He's at the back table back there and we'll just give you that book. It's more important to us that you have the resource than that you pay for it. If you can pay for it and you lie to Luke, that's between you and God. And with the way this year has gone, I'm not sure I'd want that on my head right now. So that's uh, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, there's another resource back there, that, not just this, but some other material about our program. But this is back there, probably the most important thing, this trifold that tells about the Mighty Oaks Foundation, gives our contact information and our website. Uh, we do, as Mark mentioned, run a program for veterans, active duty service members, as well as first responders. And then spouses. We realize that uh, spouses and family members are serving along with the, <clears throat> excuse me, the one who's wearing the uniform. And we want to support you as much as we can. Uh, we deal with combat trauma, but we also deal with just life trauma, trauma related to service and uh, all that goes into that. We have four locations across the country. We bring folks to one of those four. We have a men's program and a women's program. And uh, we'll bring folks to one of those programs or one of those locations, spend a week talking about trauma, what it is, what it isn't, and how we can move forward in the purpose for which God has created us. And uh, we would love to invite you to that. There's no cost to the person who attends. Again, the veteran, the service member, the first responders, or the spouse, there is no cost. And if you need us to, we will also cover your travel to get there. We want to remove every obstacle to you getting the help that you need. It'll cost you a few, a uh, few days time. I was talking to Mark about this earlier. I don't, I don't say this all of the time, but, um, we have had great success with the active duty community working with commands to get at least permissive orders cut so that you don't even have to take leave much of the time. And we're willing to work with you on that. Um, that's not a guarantee. That's just, we're willing to work with you on that. And we've had success there. So we'd love to help you any way that we can. Please let us know if that's not something you're interested in or something that you think would be a benefit to you, you know someone who it is, probably. So let them know. You can go on our website and find out more information about that as well. All right, that's the end of my commercial. We'll move on now. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll look at a number of verses from Philippians chapter number 3 as well as chapter 4 as we work through the message this morning. Here's the question to open our discussion. Have you ever looked around at your life and said something like this? This is not what I thought it would be. <laughs> I've said that a couple times this weekend. I've started with the same question. It's like the understatement of the year, right? This is not what I thought it would be. We all look at our lives right now and we think things like, I never thought I'd be attending church wearing a mask. I never thought we'd be dealing with all of the things that we're dealing with right now as a country. We know what that means to look around and say, this is not what I thought it would be. But perhaps in your life, you look at your relationships uh, with a spouse or with your children or uh, friendship relationships, and you say something like this, this is not what I thought it would be. Maybe you look at your financial situation or just your station in life, and you thought you would be further along at this point in your life, and you have to say, I didn't think it would be just like this right now. This is not what I thought it would be. There's a truth that is true for all of us. Regardless of who we are, where we come from, what we look like, who we're related to, we're all going to deal with battles and struggles and trials 
during various points in our lives. We can't escape that. I like to say when I'm speaking at our veterans program that trauma is not reserved for veterans, even though often veterans think it is. It's not. Trauma is a human condition. Trials are a human condition. It's something that we'll all have to deal with. I remember when I was a kid thinking that if I could just grow up and graduate high school, if I could get a job and get married and have kids and get a house, then everything would be wonderful. I thought that because that's what movies and television tell you is going to happen. It's all a lie. (laughs) I graduated from high school, if only barely. I got married. I have four kids. I have a mortgage. I don't like to say I own a house because the bank owns the house, but I pay the mortgage payment. And still the struggles come. For Christians, struggles come. It rains on the just and the unjust. We'll all deal with the trials of life. But the good news is, and this is the message I'd like to communicate to you today, there is hope. There is hope. When I talk about hope, I like to define hope as everything that's outside of the circle I currently stand in. Most of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, are standing in the middle of a circle that we've drawn around ourselves. Our world is contained in that circle. Our job, our relationships, our struggles, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's all in that circle. Hope comes when we look up from that circle and realize that God is outside of our circle. He doesn't change. He has it all in control. There is hope. But the question in front of us is how do we engage with the hope that God provides. I'd like to share some things with you today that I I trust will be an encouragement to you. I know that when I'm struggling in my own life, I I do my best to get around good people. That's a really good first step. The worst thing you can do is isolate when you're struggling. So it's great that as a country, we've decided that isolation is the best answer to our, our struggles. The worst thing you can do is isolate. You need to get around good people. Sometimes you find good people in church. I say sometimes because we all know what it's like to go to church. And you'll encounter those good people at church and they'll do their best to encourage you. I'm struggling and I share that struggle with someone that I believe I can trust and they say something like this. Get over it. (laughs) Cheer up. It's going to be okay. We say things like that because we don't always know what to say. Uh, You are much more spiritual people than I am. But when someone tells me in the middle of my struggle that I just need to get over it, what I really want to do is punch them in the mouth and then look down on them and say, get over it. It's going to be fine. Cheer up. (laughs) I'm not saying that's the right thing. I'm just saying that's what I feel like. You guys are better than me. (laughs) We struggle. And although it may not be big to you, my struggles, they're big to me. And sometimes they're so big, I don't even know how I'm going to move forward. So telling me to to, to cheer up, to get over it, that's not helpful. When I get that kind of advice, and I'm in my right mind, I go to the Bible. That's a good place to go when you're struggling. We read the Bible, often we'll go right to the Psalms, and we'll begin to read of the struggles of the psalmist, and how they, in the middle of their struggles, would cry out to God for help and hope and direction. What a great thing to do. We read through the Scriptures, and sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll end up in a place like Philippians chapter 3. And we'll read words like those contained in verse number 1, where Paul said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) 
In chapter 4, he bears down on it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, I don't know about you. Again, you're more spiritual than I am. But when I read words like that, even in the Bible, I want to find this Paul guy (laughs) and explain some things to him. Who is this guy? He cannot possibly know what it's like to struggle. He has no, no idea what it's like to be me. That's what happens when we find ourselves in battles. We look around and say, no one knows what it's like to be me. Our program is for veterans and active duty service members and first responders, as I mentioned. Uh, we made a decision a long time ago that those who lead uh, the discussions in those programs, our team leaders, our trainers, are all veterans, active duty service members, and first responders. Because it's important to have someone stand in front of you and say, look, I know where you've been. I know what it's all about because I've been there too. When we find ourselves in an overwhelming time of life, we often conclude that the people who are trying to encourage us have no idea what it's like to be us. I read the words of the Apostle Paul, and my first response is, what does this guy know? This guy knows a lot. You know the life of the Apostle Paul. He was a man greatly used of God, but he was a man who struggled deeply. In fact, as he wrote these words to this church, he was sitting in a Roman jail cell awaiting his execution. He knew what it was like to struggle. And yet in the midst of it, he told this church to rejoice. He would tell them to rejoice always. And again and again and again, he talked about joy. He doesn't just tell them what to do, though. He tells them why this is his admonition. If you look at verse number 1, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. But then he goes on, To write the same thing is not... Uh, To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. He says, I'm telling you to rejoice, and that's not a difficult thing for me to do. It's not a burden for me to bear. I'm doing it because you need me to tell you to rejoice, because if you'll get the message, you will be safe. We could run down through this chapter again, setting the stage for our discussion in verse number 18. He says, for many uh, many walk of whom I have told you often. And now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Can you imagine having that label attached to you? He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Here's what Paul was saying. He was saying to this church, listen, I know it's not always easy. There will be times of difficulty, but through it all you need to rejoice You need to trust God and depend on Him and allow Him to fill you with joy because if you don't, it's possible for you to walk away. In fact, there's some people, he would say, that you know, people who used to go to church with you, people who used to say they believe what we believe and do the things that we do. They're no longer with God. In fact, they've walked away from Him and they are the enemies of Christ. What a thing to be said. That's why Paul said, for me to communicate these things to you makes you safe. Paul understood something that we all need to understand. Living is not simply the act of drawing breath. 
Many people are physically alive and yet spiritually and emotionally and relationally they're dead. They look like they've got it all figured out. They're doing the thing they're supposed to do, going to their job and having the conversations they're supposed to have and going to the church house when the church house is open. They're doing all of the stuff that would convince people on the outside that they've got it all figured out. But on the inside, they know if they're honest that they're dead. Living is not simply drawing breath. It's not doing the stuff that other people expect you to do. Living is deliberately putting one foot in front of the other and moving into the purpose for which you were created by God. And yet so many of us, because of the obstacles, the trials, the battles, we fail to move forward. Paul would say we need to rejoice because joyfully moving forward is the only way. With that as a backdrop, the question we need to ask is, how? <laughs> because if I stopped right there, it would be the same as someone saying, it's going to be okay. Just get over it. Cheer up. It'll be fine. But the Bible has so much more to say about it than just that. I want to illustrate this through a story. And uh, again, that story is, or this story is found in that book that's on the back table. Um, March or Die is the title of this message. Because march or die is the principle that carries us forward. 2003, I was deployed with the 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, um, to Kuwait. I was serving as an infantry platoon commander, and uh, 30,000 Marines from the 1st Marine Division deployed to Kuwait in uh, late January of that year. Um, I, again, have been told that the Air Force and the Army were also somewhere. I don't know where they were. Um, I never saw proof that they were actually there. But the Marines were there. <laughs> And we were getting to, ready to win a war. I don't know what the rest of you were doing, but we were there. We are going to win. 30,000 Marines from the 1st Marine Division were in Kuwait. Eventually, we would make our way from Kuwait into southern Iraq. 1st uh, Battalion, 5th Marines was the infantry battalion that breached the berm from Kuwait into the southern objective, the southern Amalia oil fields on the border. And we began a long march toward Baghdad. And it would end in Baghdad on, for us, April 10th of, uh, of that year. As we were making our way north, there were a lot of things that happened along the way. And on April 1st, we received an order from General Mattis, the division commander. He tasked our battalion with moving a few miles away to a very small bridge over a very small canal called the Saddam Canal. <laughs> because in 2003, everything in the country was the Saddam something. This was the Saddam Canal. We were told that we would move in the middle of the day and that it would be fine because intel... This is generally when I have the intelligence folks raise their hands. I'm not going to do that. It's just too hard for me to deal with. Intelligence, the intelligence community tells us there are no enemy combatants on the objective. So you will move to the objective in the middle of the day. It's going to be fine. <laughs> now, I'm not a smart guy, but I think someone should have raised their hand and said, why would the division commander task a Marine battalion with 1,200 Marines and everything that goes along with it to secure a bridge if there's no enemy on that objective? but no one said anything, so we just did it. Later that day, we started to move toward our objective. I was the second vehicle back in the column. Because of the way we were set up, I was navigating for our battalion. Um, I was second vehicle back. Navigation wasn't hard. We were on a road, so we were just moving toward that objective. We came around kind of a corner, a break in the road that turned into a straightaway, and off in the distance, I could see our objective. I could see the bridge. 
It was elevated. There was a berm and the bridge on top of that berm over the canal. And as I saw that off in the distance, we came around into the straightaway. The the ground on either side of the road was soft as if it had been plowed but not planted. It was soft and we were on a dirt road moving toward that objective. And as we did, it immediately became clear we were not alone. And there was indeed an enemy there. There was a mortar position on the other side of the bridge, we would find out later, and they began to drop mortars on that pre-planned position that was our road. (laughs) It's funny the thoughts you have when bad things happen to you, Uh, the weird thoughts. The first thought I had was not, what do we do now? The first thought I had was, they said it wasn't going to be like this, (laughs) jerks. (laughs) They said this wasn't supposed to happen. This is not really part of the message, but it's an important thing to remember. When you make decisions based on the best information that you have, that's the best you can do. It is amazing to me how many people spend their entire lives regretting decisions they made based on the very best information they had available to them at the time, and they just never quite get over it. Look, if you did the best you can with what you had, that's the best you can do. That day, we were doing the best we could do with the information that we had. We started to make our way toward that bridge, and all I could think was, this is not supposed to be this way. We're going to get there, it's going to be fine, but it wasn't supposed to play out like this. And as we got closer, we realized in the berm, facing in our direction, was what we discovered later, was a uh, a company-sized machine gun position. Company-sized element, machine guns, dug into the berm, facing our direction. And again, the thought, it's not supposed to be this way. We're going to move here in the middle of the day. We're going to set up. It's going to be fine. Everything will be done before it gets dark. This is not a big deal. And we found ourselves in a battle we never expected. Here's the first point to take away from this story. The biggest fights come when we least expect them. The biggest battles in our lives come when we least expect them. Rarely do we make decisions that will intentionally do damage to us or those that we care about. We, we do our best to carefully plan and make good decisions that can carry us forward. It's not those things, the things we plan for, that generally do us harm. The things that knock us down on the ground, the things that hurt us the most, are those things, those events, those battles, those trials that we did not expect. The psalmist cries out to God in Psalm 41 and verse 9. He says this, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. The psalmist, that great warrior, uh, he wasn't talking about an enemy, someone he had planned to fight or some battle he had been engaged in. He cries out to God saying, God, my friend is now against me. I didn't see this coming. The Apostle Paul, the author of the passage in front of us, was not a perfect person by any means. It's amazing to me, though, as Christian people, how we can look at our own lives and say, God, I'm doing my best to live for you. I'm doing my best to make good decisions for you. I'm trying to raise my kids for you. I'm doing the very best that I can, and yet I find myself in a mess. God, this isn't fair. The Apostle Paul was a man, again, although not perfect, who did much for the kingdom of God. Anytime a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and an eternal home in heaven, it's a miracle. But when the Apostle Paul did that, he did that as he stood and looked in the face of his Savior, Jesus Christ. It was a miraculous transformation. 
From that day forward, God used him to move forward to plant churches around the world. Really, the first missionary as we understand missionaries today. What we understand of the gospel in large part comes because of the words written for us in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul, from the book of Romans and elsewhere. What we understand of God, so much of it was expounded for us through the work of the Apostle Paul. He built relationships. He allowed God to work through him in an incredible way. If there was anyone who could say, God, I shouldn't have a lot of hardship in my life, it was this guy. And yet we're told that he was shipwrecked. A couple of times, stoned and left for dead, abandoned by those who said they were his friends. As we looked at earlier, eventually arrested and then released and then arrested again, (laughs) that time to lose his life for the cause of Christ. We look at our own lives and we say, it's just not fair. I've done everything right. Uh, I've planned carefully. Uh, I've figured this thing out. And then the battle comes. And it is that unexpected battle that does us the most harm. In fact, some people are so overwhelmed by the unexpected that instead of living, continuing to move forward, they become the lifelong victims of a one-time event. The thing they didn't plan for knocks them on the ground. And that thing, the thing they didn't plan for, becomes the event that they go back to again and again and again and again in their hearts and minds. You know people like this. Every conversation, it doesn't matter what it starts out to be about, (laughs) turns to that event back there. Because they didn't plan for it, because they didn't expect it, they become the lifelong victims of a one-time event. This can happen to all of us. This is why we must be deliberate. We must move forward. Because there's another truth on the other side of this. Although we may not get to pick the fights that we find ourselves in, please listen to me. We get to decide how we will fight. We may not get to pick the fight. Those fights come. The enemy has a say, unfortunately. Things happen that we could not control or plan for. That's life. But when you get knocked down, that does not mean you no longer have the opportunity to make a decision to get back up. You may not get to pick the fight, but you get to decide how you will fight. How many times I've sat across from someone who came to me for counseling and they're asking for help and I try to tell them what they need to do next. And they'll say something like this, I can't. I'll say, why not? Because they hurt me. They did something to me. This event came into my life. I've fallen down. And because of all that's happened, I just can't do it. How many people, when they get knocked down, conclude that the battle that has come into their life now has control over their lives? Listen, you may not get to pick the fight. But by the grace of God, you get to decide how you will fight. That machine gun position opened up on us, and I'm so thankful that the Marines that I was with knew exactly what to do in a moment just like that one. We didn't try to figure it out when we were there. It wasn't in Kuwait or Iraq that we figured out how to deal with that unexpected enemy. We decided what we would do a long time before that in Southern California, running around Camp Pendleton. (laughs) We practiced, we rehearsed, we ran scenarios, and it seemed dumb sometimes. 
But over and over and over again, we drill, what do we do if this, what do we do if that? If this situation comes into play, how do we deal with that? And when the enemy presented himself, he, he presented himself at a time we didn't expect, but we got to decide what we would do, and we decided it a long time before we got there. And because of that, we came out on the other side, victorious. Psalm 90 and verse 12, the psalmist says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What a truth. The psalmist was saying, God, help me to see things clearly so that I can make the right decision. We need to settle what we're going to do before we get there, and we need to trust that God will enable us through his equipping to do what he set in front of us. Verse 10 of our passage, Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him, Paul said, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. We could go over to 4 and verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. For Paul, staying on the ground was not an option. He was going to decide how to fight before he ever got to the fight, he would move forward in the power of God. The fight continued because the machine guns were not the only enemy on the objective that day. The mortars that met us when we were on the road continued to drop down on top of us and a decision had to be made. We were supposed to stop when we got to the bridge and let another unit pass through, but we were going to die if we stayed there. So the plan changed and we moved. We moved our vehicles on top of the bridge. Here's the next point you need to consider this morning. Change is inevitable. Don't be surprised when it happens. Change is inevitable. Don't be surprised when it happens. You may have a plan and execute that plan. You may push through the initial objective in the battles of life, but things change. And so often it's in the middle of the change that people struggle the most. Uh, I'll say this, success in any area of life is directly connected to how well we handle unexpected change. Doing the right things when things are going your way, uh, that's not a great indication of how good you are. It's in the middle of the change that determines whether or not you'll find success. We've all experienced tremendous change this year. We don't even know where this change is going to stop, what it will morph into next. We have no idea. Things are changing. We had a, a report published a few weeks ago from the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense has told us through their research that veterans take their lives at a rate of just over 20 a day. For a number of years, we were saying 22. Anecdotally, I think it's much higher than either of those numbers. But right now, the official number is just over 20 a day, which is unthinkable. The active duty community has reported that their active duty suicide rate is one active duty service member a day. Again, an unthinkable number. Recently, the most recent report published said that that number, the active duty rate, has gone up to almost four a day. The DOD published a study a few weeks ago that said over this period of COVID, this couple of months during COVID, year over year, 2020 to 2019, the active duty suicide rate has gone up 
The Army says it's gone up 30%. And the Air Force, who has kind of kept the number down, has kept the average the same. Their number is the same this year as it was last year. Last year was the worst year in 35 years for Air Force active duty suicides. There are a lot of things that can be taken from that. Many lessons to be learned, for sure. But here's a big one. Things have changed so much in our world that a lot of folks have just given up. Back in April, ABC News put out another study uh, done by the Department of Health, U.S. Department of Health, the U.S. Mental Health Hotline in March of 2020 had 1,000% more calls than it did in March of the previous year. People are struggling. Why is that? We could point to a lot of things. I'll tell you what the big one is. Change. Things have changed so much. The way we do school at home, the way we interact with other people, the way we go to church, all of it has changed. And that change becomes so overwhelming that many just give up. But let's move to something more personal. What about when our relationships change? When our financial situations change, when our work situation changes, when the other stuff going on in our life, when it changes, things aren't what we thought they should be or would be, or they were here and we were happy there, but now it's become something else. Things have changed. Success in any area of life is directly connected to how well we handle unexpected change. Don't be surprised when it happens. It's going to happen. Again, the psalmist in Psalm 27 and verse 11 said, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. I need to know what to do, God. Show me the way forward. Life is always changing. Before the battle, we make decisions based on the best information that we have. But in the battle, we adjust what is happening around us, always moving forward, never going back takes us to our final point. We got on top of the bridge and moving out of the first kill zone was a good decision. Putting ourselves in a worst kill zone was not a good decision. I'm thankful I can laugh about it. Because we made the decision to get on top of the bridge, we should have pushed past that, but we stopped on top of the bridge, had eight vehicles and all of our uh, equipment on top of the bridge, which was another pre-planned target and an easy one. The mortar rounds kept falling around us. On the other side of the, the uh, the canal, about 50 meters away, was a, a Soviet-era anti-aircraft gun, ZSU-23-4, for those of you that like those things. The kind where one guy's sitting on it and the other guy's doing this, you know what I'm talking about? Four-barreled anti-aircraft gun, and it was elevated in a way that would have prevented our aircraft, probably our helicopters, from flying over the canal or coming to the bridge. When we got on top of the bridge, not only were the mortars falling, but those guys started to spin that thing around our direction. Because now we were the threat. There was a moment where I realized this is a bad place to be. <laughs> the mortars were falling. I, I remember those mortars going into the ground. I was standing next to my vehicle holding the handset of a radio, screaming for help, probably incoherently, trying to make things happen. The mortars were falling. They went into the ground. The shrapnel was contained, as I mentioned. But the feeling of the percussion from those mortars, from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head, something I'll never forget. Uh, again, some of you have probably experienced something like that. You don't ever forget it. It was bad. 
And looking up from that, you see the machine guns spinning around in our direction. We were in a bad spot. And at that moment, a decision had to be made. Now listen to me, all of us know what it's like to be in a position exactly like that one. Maybe not in real time, but in your life, you know what it's like. You got the mortar rounds of life. You got the bad guys spinning around on you. Stuff's happening. It's out of control. You feel like your life is absolutely blowing up around you. When you find yourself in that spot, the same, same place I found myself in so many years ago, you have to realize you only have two choices. As a Marine, I need simple choices. <laughs> I can't have a lot of choices. It needs to be real simple. Sometimes we become so overwhelmed with what's happening that we look around and we think there's a thousand different things I can do. There's all of these decisions that need to be made. All of this stuff needs to happen. I don't know what to do. It's not that complicated. You have to make one of two decisions. You can stay where you are and die. That's a decision you make. No one makes that for you. Or you can put one foot in front of the other and march to a place where you can actually fight the battle in front of you. I checked in as a second lieutenant to 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. I was assigned to Charlie Company, had a rifle platoon. Um, some of the happiest days of my life, <laughs> that rifle platoon. Charlie Company had a motto, and it was this one. It was march or die. I loved it. Marines like history, and they like mottos. Anything that looks good on the back of a t-shirt, Marines like it. <laughs> March or die looks really good on the back of a t-shirt. It's real simple, easy to understand. I never understood it better than that moment standing on top of that bridge. We can stay here and die or we can march to somewhere else. And when we look at the battles of life, those are the only two choices. Don't give up. Don't stop living. Move forward. Verse 13 of our passage, the Apostle Paul says it this way, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He, said, he says, I haven't obtained what I'm after. But this one thing I do, you know, Paul was a preacher because he said there's one thing and then he gives like three things. <laughs> it's like every sermon outline ever. The last thing, let me give you 12 things. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And he had a lot of things behind him. There was a time in his life where he murdered Christians. He persecuted the church. I'm sure that even after his salvation, he made some bad decisions. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forget what's back here, the stuff that's tying me down. And what? I'm going to move forward onto those things which are before. He said this in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, it's not easy all of the time. In fact, I haven't even obtained what I'm after. There are struggles that will come. There's stuff, in fact, in my past that would keep me from moving forward. But in all of it, I'm going to stop looking back there and start moving. I'm going to march one foot in front of the other until I get to the place that God really wants me to be. I'm so thankful that victory doesn't come to the perfect, but to the persistent. <laughs> You don't have to be perfect to keep moving. You just need to keep moving. You don't have to be perfect to put one foot in front of the other. You just have to put one foot in front of the other today and then get up and do it again tomorrow and then do it the next day and then do it the next day and keep doing it until God gets you to the place that He really wants you to be. Keep moving forward. 
by God's grace and in God's power. There's a picture. It's the picture in the background of this slide, that picture there. That's my platoon in Baghdad. Um, off to the far right is me, in case you were wondering. It's been a long time since that picture. <laughs> uh, Luke, who's here with me, he was in my platoon. We're, um, he's in that picture as well. Uh, these were our guys in Baghdad, and um, a lot of stories there that I could tell I won't. But I've had this picture hanging up over my desk for since I got it, since 2003. Often I'll look at that picture in the context of the story that I just told you. I have a lot of thoughts when I look at these young men, but one of the thoughts I have is this. If I had decided on April 1st of 2003 to dig my heels in and say, guys, we're going to fight from here, we can beat them. Or if I had become so overwhelmed with all of the stuff that was going on around us, uh, there's an infantry battalion, I was on the radio trying to help them to know what to do, trying to get fire on the objective, trying to deal with that machine gun and deal with the mortars and move people around. While all of that was happening, if I had become so overwhelmed that I just couldn't move and had decided to stay there because it was easier than putting one foot in front of the other, odds are those guys would have stayed there with me. I would have lost my life. And they would have lost theirs. This battles of life thing becomes a lot simpler when we realize it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. First and foremost, it's about God and His glory. His plan. And then it's about finding your place in that plan and moving forward into the purpose for which He has created you. And finally, it's about turning around and taking people with you. Because there are people in your life right now that are watching you whether you know it or not. Maybe they're your kids. Maybe uh, it's extended family members. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone down the street. Someone in your life is looking at you and they know the battles that you're dealing with and the struggles that you're having and they're waiting to decide what they're going to do based on what you decide to do. Verse 17 of Philippians 3, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. In chapter 4 and verse 9, those things which you have heard and learned and received and seen in me, do. (laughs) And the God of peace shall be with you. If Paul was here today, I think he'd say something like this. Guys, I know how hard life can be. I know how difficult it can be to live under a government like the one that we have and dealing with the circumstances that we have and and operating as a church the way that we are. These guys were dealing with all the same stuff. He would say, I know what it's like to lose a loved one. I know what it's like to have people walk away from you that you thought you could depend on. I understand the struggles. But guys, understand it's not about you. It's about putting one foot in front of the other, moving forward to the prize that God has set before you, moving into His will and doing what He's called you to do, bringing others up behind you so that they too can find success in battle. Paul from a jail cell writes these words. If I was sitting in a jail cell, I'm not sure I would try to encourage others, but Paul did, and I'm thankful he did. He says, guys, I'm doing this so that you'll have an example to follow in your own life. On the other side of the fight that I just described to you, the battle that I just described to you, I was raised in a a Christian home. I accepted Christ as a young man. I 
was a believer. But it was after that fight that I, for the very first time in my life, had the thought <laughs> that God is all that matters. First time I ever had that thought. It was the first time I realized that the enemy doesn't care who I am, where I came from, where I went to school, who I'm married to, who my kids are. <laughs> doesn't care. The enemy out there wants to kill me because of the uniform that I'm wearing and nothing else. It was the first time I really thought about the sovereignty of God, how sovereign God is, that he has a plan, it's big, and I can't understand it all the time. But there was a peace that came to my heart in that moment based on this. It was the first time I realized I didn't have to control everything because I couldn't. That I simply needed to control what God placed in my hands and let him take care of the rest. There's some stuff that God wants you to do. He wants you to fight well. He wants you to make good decisions. He wants you to lead others forward. He wants you to get up every day of your life and put one foot in front of the other. He wants you to do that. That's what you can do. Focus on that. And you can say, as Paul did in verse 7 of chapter 4, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The battles will come. You can't avoid it. You don't always get to decide what the battle looks like, but you can decide how you're going to fight. Change will happen. Find success as you navigate change and make the most important decision you could ever make in the middle of a battle, the decision to march. I don't know what you're going through today. I believe that there are some folks here this morning who need hope. Guys, there's hope. <laughs> there is. There's victory on the other side of battle. There's clarity in the midst of confusion and chaos. There's a God that loves us and has a great plan for our lives. But so much of it comes down to making the decision to either march or stay where you are and die. And no one can make that decision for you but you. And the time to make the decision is right now. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness to us. Almighty God, we thank you for the opportunity to spend a few minutes discussing these truths. The truth that you do have a plan for our lives, that you do love us, that your plan is a good plan. But that it's not a plan free from difficulties and trials and, and the battles and obstacles of life. But that in the midst of those things, there is a path forward if only we'll trust you and keep moving. I pray for those who are here this morning that brought some deep struggles into this room. That God, they'd see those struggles clearly. They would acknowledge certainly that they exist. That they would control what they can control. That they get up and keep moving. And trust you, a sovereign, loving, gracious God, for the rest. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for what you've done. And we look forward with great anticipation to the good things that you will do. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. And I do believe God loves Marines. I just want you to know that. I just want to share a couple of next steps for us to think about good application for uh, the powerful message Jeremy shared. 
And, and the first next step really is directed to those who have never placed their trust in Jesus Christ. You talk about being on a march. A march implies an objective. And the objective that you should be heading to is objective Jesus. He deployed from heaven. He came on a rescue mission to save you from your sin. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And by faith in his name, you can be saved. That is the most important first step anyone can ever make. The next step is those who resonated with Jeremy's message of those who have hurts, those who have trauma, those who have dark places in their lives. Invite Jesus to be there with you. He will be present. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, who is with you? The Lord. He is there. So invite him into that place and know that he will promise you not a whole bunch of strength, but enough strength for today. When you get up the next morning, guess what? The promise is enough strength for today, and he can be our source of healing. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And just to remind you of some of the resources that we have practically, uh, Jeremy, this tremendous ministry called Mighty Oaks, maybe you're somebody who could benefit from it if you've served or serving in the military. Fully free. We also have a ministry that we've just started this fall called Reboot Combat Recovery. It's a 12-week course that husbands and wives can go through together. And if you've experienced trauma before, during, or after the military, it's an opportunity for you to find healings with healing with others that are alongside. So I encourage you to check out those uh, resources to ask yourself, is it something I could benefit from? Or is there someone that I can invite to be a part of it? So thanks for being here. Pass it on to Pastor Mark and the worship team.